Hi guys, welcome back. I'm Taylor. I'm Elizabeth. I'm Spencer. I'm Becca. And, and this, this is, is the Cohort Report. So today we're going to be talking about due process and time to toll. Becca's here to start. Due process model focuses on protecting life, liberty, and property. Another, another main point of the due process model is respecting the rights of innocence. And there are two main aspects of this. The procedural process focuses on fair methods and the substantive process focuses on justification. The crime control model gives police and prosecutors more power and focuses on the letter of the law can be summed up as saying guilty before proven innocent, and some innocent people could be hurt by the crime control model. There's differing opinions on which model benefits more and which one people think helps the public the most. I'm kind of in the middle. Both have their ups and downs, neither one's perfect, but I mean, I think like how we have now where we have a combination of both is working pretty well. I had to choose one, I would say I'm like you're more in the middle, but if I had to pick one, I'd probably more choose the due process model because it tries to like protect innocent people more than yeah. the crime control. And yeah. while I also don't agree with like letting guilty people walk free, I just feel like they owe more to the innocent people. Yeah, but I mean, sometimes in due process, people, the innocent end up getting convicted of crimes that they didn't commit. So I mean, well, they work yeah I mean I definitely don't agree in the whole um, like guilty until proven innocent I feel like it should be the other way around but I also don't think that with the due process model it moves at as fast of a pace as sometimes it should be moving yeah I think that's one why a lot of people tend to like move towards the crime control is is swift justice but I mean, that can often lead to mistakes and, you know, misinformation, or you can, like, I mean, miss stuff too. I mean, you could skip over something that's really important to a case and that could be a deal breaker. And so, because I mean, of the no double jeopardy, they couldn't retry you if they found something that they missed. Yeah. So, unless you're acquitted. What about you, Beth? So, um, the I just read that the rate of wrong wrongful convictions in, in the U.S. is estimated to be somewhere between 2 and 10%. And so that's about 2.3 million. So I'm definitely for the due process model. And it's not perfect. It's definitely flawed. But I think it's a better alternative than the presumption of guilt that the crime control model needs. I agree. Are you, are you, you're saying that like often in society the crime control is used more instead of the due process model? No, it's just, just giving the array of how many people are wrongly convicted. Yeah, but I mean... We don't really have a specific which one that we use in the U.S. I'd say it's just... Yeah. But that can come from moving things too quickly and not necessarily doing things the right way. And if you look more at the and due process model... And as you said before, we pretty much have a mixture between the two now. Mm -hmm. This yeah. is just more of a rhetorical. Yeah. It's definitely sad, though, that that many people are being convicted falsely. I mean, you think about it, and most of those people probably have families, and... Either, yeah, or even worst case, someone has committed a crime and then they're being acquitted of it. So exactly. it could be either way. What? I'm just asking. Yeah. Would it be worse to have someone be wrongfully convicted and spend their life in jail, or would it be worse to have a convict, a criminal 
not be convicted and walk free. Well, if someone, if there's a criminal and they've committed a crime, they're probably going to do it again, so they'll probably end up being caught. So I think someone being convicted wrongly is being, and then having to spend their life in jail is worse because there's probably no chance. Too. There's no chance probably that they're going to get out. how many people are being affected. If someone is wrongfully convicted and they're in jail and they have a family, then that's a lot, that's their whole family who is affected by that. But if it's someone who just maybe like robbed someone, then it's just the one person who's been robbed who's getting hurt if they're not convicted. Not to mention, I mean, if you're wrongly convicted and then you have a felon, like a felony, it can make it really, really hard to become, like get a job or do, your life will stop pretty much after that. It's gonna be so difficult. So, I mean, and those even really... after, like, even if you do, like, they find new evidence that says you're not guilty, that's still kind of like, you're missing years of your life where you don't have any work experience or anything. And you come out with almost nothing. They give you a little bit of compensation, but it's not enough to pick up your entire life. There was a man who was, like, in jail for 35 years, and they finally found out that he was not the person that was... Like, he wasn't the person that committed the crime, he was innocent, and they only gave him like $700. And he'd been in there for 35 years and didn't have anything. Yeah, it's hard to put a they struggle with putting a financial value on everything that they missed for those 35 years. If you think about all of the experiences that they missed out on, on the family time, all the they events. can't get those 35 years back. And he didn't have a job, any money. He, he didn't have any family when he came back out, so he had nothing left. I mean, he didn't have any friends or anything, because everyone was, all his friends were probably in jail. Because, and I mean, the money that's that they could have given him to start up his life is now going to go to him, like supporting him, because he doesn't have a job, and so he's going to have to get more government aid that could have just been given to him out of jail. And right. even um, if he was, if they found out he was innocent, he'd still have trouble getting a job for the rest of his life because of the bad publicity. And no experience. It's 35 years is a gap on his resume. Not to mention the millions of dollars it probably cost to house him and feed him and everything for all those years. I mean, everything he missed out on. But I mean, it, it doesn't just affect him and like the court system. It also affects like the taxpayer, the government. I mean, it's all encompassed together. So. I mean, before we move on, we want to let you know that the Patriot Playhouse at First Colonial High School is doing It's a Wonderful Life, December 13th through 16th. This is the popular Christmas radio show. You can buy tickets at the door. The prices are to be announced later on. The shows are Thursday through Saturday night at 7 p.m. And this, what makes it really cool is there are live sound effects and you can see the actors changing costume on stage. Next, we're going to be talking about the First Amendment and why we think it's the most important amendment out of 27. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people peacefully to assemble, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So how do you guys feel about the First Amendment? Why do you guys think it's important? Or maybe not? Well, I think this one is the most important because it kind of keeps the government from having too much power over everybody. And it would just be um, too overpowering on the people if we didn't have that freedom of speech and the freedom to limit the government as well. And most of the things that we do every day, we use this amendment um, every day. And we wouldn't be able to say we don't agree with what our government is doing without this amendment. And I think today especially, that's a really important thing that we're standing up against injustices in our government. Very much so. I mean, I think that the First Amendment has a huge like has a huge role in our modern world and our modern society 
I mean, the First Amendment in realistic is the basis for all other amendments. Because an amendment to the government is speaking up about how the Constitution is lacking. And so, I mean, without it, we wouldn't have much of a basis for creating an amendment without the First Amendment. So which part of the First Amendment do you guys think is the most important? Freedom of speech, religion, and so on? Petition. Yeah, I would say petition and then freedom of speech. Yes. I personally think freedom of speech is the most important. But just because, like, especially like as Douglas said, like today, it like affects so much of our lives. I think petitioning is important, but I mean, freedom of speech is definitely the biggest one. I mean, that we use daily. I mean, everyone's using it, even if you don't know about it. But then you have things like assemble, which I think is equally as important because we assemble in big groups. I mean, we can look at what people have done after the Parkland shooting and all these mass shootings. They assembled together. Everyone came to the Capitol and they all petitioned the government. I mean, we use these things in many creative ways, and you know, petitioning the government, assembling, all of them go hand in hand. Even writing in the news, that's all free. That's so. right. Freedom of press is another really important one, especially now, like in the digital age of blogging yes. and stuff. And without the power of petition, it wouldn't really be a government led by the people because the people wouldn't have any say in it at all. And I think freedom of religion is really important too because for a lot of people their lives are centered around their religion and if they weren't allowed to exercise what religion they wanted to or exercise any religion at all, their lives would be drastically different. A lot of people come to America seeking that kind of religious freedom because it's so open with whatever religion you want to practice and there's not like a government controlled religion. That's the first people to come to America were people seeking religious freedom. I mean they were being persecuted in England so they came to America to seek um, freedom of their own religions, being able to do whatever they wanted, not having to be with the British religion. So, I mean, it all depends on perspective, but I think everyone has their own view, and each amendment is equally important, but I think that the First Amendment is, is the most important out of all 27. As we said before, it's like the basis of pretty much the rest of the plays a huge role in our lives every day. So I think we're really lucky to be able to have an amendment like this in our constitution that protects us. So. Hey guys, before we get back to the First Amendment, I'm going to talk about Young Life. Um, the next club is on December 10th at 7.47 at Wycliffe Cabin, and it's Christmas Club, so wear your craziest Christmas sweater and bring a lot of Christmas spirit. And we're going to have... Um, a Christmas carol battle, so study up on your Christmas songs, guys. So as well as the First Amendment, there are also some other amendments that apply to due process. This includes uh, 5 through 8, which are found in the Bill of Rights. So the Bill of Rights was ratified in order to appease the Anti-Federalists, which opposed the ratification of the Constitution. And the Bill of Rights just it's kind of in the name, it just gives more rights to the people and less to the government. And I'm closing us out with a joke. When an escaped prisoner was caught camping out in the woods, it was a clear case of criminal intent. <laughs> that's a knee slap, Rebecca. And that's enough.